Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here at the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're going to have a special Thanksgiving show. we got uh, Coco Konsky, my co-host for the Tuesday edition of the Donaldson Files, and we got the Swamp Girl Pam and Dr. Larry. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll have some other special guests as well. Uh, you know, I sent out an invitation list as long as my arm. So we'll see what we have going here for us tonight. What we're going to do is talk about Thanksgiving and uh, but before I do, let me just introduce at least two of the guests. Uh, is Coco Konsky. Uh Coco, how are we doing? Hey, you're doing pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. And uh, Pam, how's it going? Going pretty good, Tom. How are y'all doing? We're doing pretty good. And like I said, I'm, somewhere I'm good. I'm, in the next... I'm just recovering from a, a dental surgery, so if I can't talk too much, ah. uh, you know why. All right. All right. Mm. Well, did they put you on any pain medication? Well, so what happened with me is I, um, quick story, I, I started feeling like super pain, and I started getting these migraines, and it was re- I knew it was related to my teeth. And so finally, after like three days of pain, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So um, I looked up dentists in my area. I booked an appointment. I went in and lo and behold, they're like, oh, you broke your tooth. And it's been that way for a while. So apparently I broke the back of my tooth without like never realizing like I had a huge hole in it. And that like the nerve had been exposed for like probably a year. And, um, which is like incredibly painful. It's like, it's not fun. So, um, the very next day they, uh, they sent me to a urgent, um, and I can't pronounce the word, but, um, basically someone who specializes in root canals. Um, so I was so scared because I hate the dentist. So, um, I paid the extra 180 just to like get like, like the the um, the laughing gas or whatever that's called. So um, there, so they did the laughing gas plus like, I think it was like five shots of Novocaine, which is like insane. So it it got yeah. to the point where like the next day I still felt like I had the Novocaine. <laughs> mhm. Oh, okay. So, so it still hurts. It's not. It's not like. Oh, like, you know, they, they tell you like, oh, well, you'll be fine afterwards. I was like, no, I'm not fine. I've been in like, like my jaw hurts so bad. And I had to like, I haven't really been eating solids really. It's just mostly like soups and like really, really soft food. But it was to the point where I was on 800 milligrams of ibuprofen that I get special order. So, which, you know, that's like heavy duty stuff, Tom, the 800s. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that's the heavy duty stuff. Okay, Pam, anything uh, that you got to report uh, 
Uh, before we get into the Thanksgiving stories of, of interest, any surgeries we should know about or any pain medication? <laughs> no. Uh, I, uh, just hearing about teeth gives me those shivers anyway. Um, I do. <laughs> No, nah, everything's good. I'm just freezing. And, you know, we're not used to this cold weather, and it's already cold, and the wind's been blowing, and this is no. And uh, and the price of bacon still up there. The cheapest I could find well, was $4. Uh, well, tell you what, I, uh, we just got a ribeye, and that went up from price, too. So we had to get a smaller piece of a ribeye. So... And what can I say? I haven't had a steak in forever. Yeah. Oh my God, I want steak so bad. But I, I, <laughs> I, I've, I've now, I've now, like, I don't eat beef anymore, really. Like, I, because of my, I didn't know about this, but um, I'm prone to kidney stones. So, one of the main things, like, they told me to lay off was beef. So, I've been having like lamb and like chicken and pork, but um, I haven't yeah. had any beef in about like two months. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think so the deal is anything. Those, those have been the savers yeah. there. Well, that's, like I, I, I do want a tomahawk. Yeah. Okay. Well, this weekend I'm going to be basically. Steak, please. Yeah. Ooh, tomahawk. Yeah. <laughs> and what's a tomahawk steak? I might. We actually might be getting that when I go to. I'm leaving for Vegas um, tomorrow night. I believe. Cool. So I'm going out of town. Are <laughs> uh, you going to go with Steve to visit your parents or just you? Oh, of course. Yeah. No, not just me. I'm bringing Steve and I'm bringing the dog. And um, it's about yeah. a four-hour drive. It's not because they don't – they live yeah. – I, I say they live in Vegas, but they really live in Henderson, which is like a suburb of Nevada, which is yeah. like very close to Las Vegas. It's like maybe like a 20-minute drive to Las Vegas. So, you know yeah. – um, we're going to be there till probably Monday morning, and then we leave back, and uh, we plan on doing a lot of gambling. Oh, <laughs> I'm actually okay. taking my mom to a bingo hall that they – it's like a gambling bingo hall. So um, oh. that's going to be fun. Well, you, know, you said it takes you, what, four hours to drive to Vegas from L.A.? Um, yeah, well, from what – well, with traffic. Without traffic, I'm looking at three hours and 30 minutes. Really? You realize mm-hmm. it's, it's a shorter distance from L.A. to Vegas than Vegas mm-hmm. to Reno? That's insane. I, yeah, it's really? absolutely. It's about a six-hour drive from Reno. Really? Which I did not know how big the state was. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew it was I a big state, that. but I just, yeah. Yeah, no, the most it'll no, take it, you is four hours, um, and that's with traffic. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, but, um, like yeah. I said, we're going to be in a suburb. I don't think we're going to go to Vegas itself because there is a great um, yeah. resort casino, like literally five minutes away from my parents' house, and it's called Green Valley Ranch. And we found that they do bingo, they have slots, they have spa. Like, you know, I'm only going to be there for a couple. It's not like I'm going to be there for a week. Like, if I'm in Vegas for a week, then, yeah, I go to Vegas, Vegas, and yeah. explore the city and stuff. But I'm only going to be there for, like, three days. Um, I, I'm just going to go to that, uh, bingo hall because <laughs> it's fun. Have you ever gambled bingo? It's like the funnest thing in the world. They like give you like free yeah. drinks, you know, like literally like yeah. all you get is like free drinks 
and you just play bingo. And last time I won like 500 bucks on that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Here's the thing. It is 270 miles from Vegas to L.A., 50 oh, right. miles from Reno to Vegas. That's insane. I don't even know how yeah, that's that yeah, yeah, I don't either. It's just, yeah, it's, I, 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 like I said, I cannot explain that either. It's, but it's, yeah, I just thought that was just kind of interesting uh, that it would take, you know, you're quicker to go to L.A. than you are to go to Reno. That's so crazy. I just never, yeah. um, I never no. heard of that. I, I've never been to Reno, though. Like, I don't even know there's a reason why I would go to Reno. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, well, I'll tell you the thing. Reno is Vegas, is a smaller version of Vegas. Well, they said they the littlest big city in in America, something like that. It is basically Reno. It's Vegas, smaller version, is what it is. With mm-hmm. gambling, that's you know that's their number one industry, and the best claim to fame you can have is you got beautiful mountains. Uh, you're in the northern part of the state, so you got beautiful mountains that you can look at and see. And of course, you're one hour away from Lake Tahoe. Oh no, but take it back. You're not less than an hour. You're very close to Lake Tahoe, so you're right there in the California. Oh, border. okay. Well, that makes that makes a little more sense. Um, I've been to Lake Tahoe, um, but, yeah. but I just like Reno itself. I always think of like Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, because didn't that take place yeah. like in Reno? There was like nothing to do there, and like it was just like really boring. <laughs> like, yeah. I honestly don't yeah. even know where I were. Like, if I was to go to Reno, like, why would I go there? Yeah, I mean, basically, go to Reno for the same way as you go to Vegas, Campbell. Yeah, well, I could it's do that in they, Vegas in like three hours' time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's like, so, I'll tell you what, ladies, uh, ladies uh, I am still waiting for the great Dr. Larry, uh, and I will, uh, uh, to get all of his Thanksgiving stories. I know he's got to have at least a couple, but tell them we're going we're, to go on like, a quick it's, break. It's so, it's, okay, yeah, break. Yeah, time break here. Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Piles here in the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year, one in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. Oh, 
with Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Dawson Piles here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, basically, for those individuals, uh, we all know that basically what it comes down to is what Saturday? Saturday and this Thanksgiving holiday, it's all about football. NFL football, college football. Uh, and so we're going to – so we should see some pretty exciting, you know, like I say, some exciting weekend games here. Uh, and I know that uh, Coco, you probably, I guarantee you that uh, Steve is all excited about Georgia and Georgia Tech. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and, football. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, that's all I've been listening to the past, like, two, three months. It's just, it's always football. It's, like, always football. So, like, I've been, like, letting yeah. him watch it, and I just go to my room, and I watch, like, My 600-pound life. Because that's currently yeah. the show, like, I'm totally binging right now. Yeah. And, uh, um, Carolina, but, yeah, I was excited about Georgia. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, Georgia football. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did. They got, did. Uh, it was, like, what was it? It was, like, it was, like, they won the World Series, right? Well, not yet. Oh, yeah, they did. The Atlanta Braves they won the World Series. Yeah, yeah they won the, Braves, the World Series. The Braves won the series, which, like, no yeah. one thought was going to happen because they hadn't won anything yeah. since, like, the 80s. Yeah, it was, uh, night, yeah, night, it's, uh, yeah, that was uh, 1995 was the last time they won the series. Oh. And, uh, yeah. But either way, you're right. Uh, but, yeah, but, you know, like I say, you got Georgia, Georgia Tech this weekend. Iowa has their mm-hmm. – uh, uh, big matchup against Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Right. Always, and then we and then we're gonna get into Clemson in in South Carolina because I know that. Oh, Pam, you're all excited right. about Clemson in South Carolina. Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to that. Oh. Yeah. Well, this year you might actually have a chance to win since Clemson's not the Clemson of old. I don't know. Carolina has just been inconsistent. And we're so yeah. used to Carolina losing down here that if they win, it's like, oh, wow. You know? <laughs> You're just like, oh, yeah. wow, they won. Okay. Well, well the big thing here is, is uh, Iowa and Nebraska. And, uh, and the, uh, to me, the little background story of this series was, for some reason, you know, Big Ten brings in Nebraska. And for some reason, they paired them up against Iowa. And, and for the most part, the original game plan was supposed to be – this was supposed to be the, uh, you, know, you know, the chance for Nebraska to show off because they brought in Nebraska so they figured Nebraska would add. And, and unfortunately for Nebraska, I mean, they won the three out of the first four games. And after that, I mean, they've lost like six games in a row to Iowa. And uh, – and and it's interesting is that Iowa now is actually, you know, as we say in the business, we've made Nebraska our, you know, the word that rhymes with which. But but the most interesting story about this rivalry is really wasn't much of a rivalry. At least Nebraska never viewed us as a rival. They viewed us as, okay, this is a team we get to show up and beat up on, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. And mm. one year they, you know, 
Uh, no, they beat us in a very close game. They fired the coach after he wins nine games. And somebody said, well, you just beat Iowa to which the athletic director. Well, we're supposed to beat the Iowas of the world. They haven't won a game since. Yeah, so, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to pull for Iowa this weekend. So. Yeah. Well, you have to. I mean, like I say, it's, my view is very simple. I mean, I, 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 years ago, I didn't really hate Nebraska, but now I totally hate Nebraska. I can only think of one time that I've rooted for Nebraska in the last, you know, six, seven years. And that was last week when they were playing uh, – uh, they were playing Wisconsin, only because right now Iowa and Wisconsin are fighting for the Big Ten West title. Uh, in order for Iowa to win it, when, and Iowa has to win this Friday, and then, the, you know, then Wisconsin has to lose on Saturday for us to be – in the Big Ten championship game. So that's that's where we're at there. And like I say, Georgia, Georgia Tech. God, I can't. Yeah, Georgia is fighting for a national title. Uh, Georgia Tech is uh, basically three and eight. So this is a showcase for Georgia. So Steve should be happy. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, she's, yeah. she's been insanely busy with work, um, yeah. like yeah. insanely. I, I'm talking about maybe like 16-hour days work. Um, so, you know, yeah. we're just preparing for, you know, that's why we're really looking forward to this, like even though it's like a really small trip. Um, I've already started Christmas shopping. Am I insane? No. <laughs> like I've already started my list it. and – well, I'm shopping for a church 16-year-old. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Half of your Christmas gifts are sitting there off the uh, L.A. port waiting to come uh, in. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, 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 God bless Amazon, honestly, because um, yeah. they have literally every single thing I need, and they, like, offer free shipping. So I'm like, yes. Because I was looking at this other site, and I was like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a lot. I spend probably around eight nine hundred for Christmas, or like yeah. just Steve and his daughter. <laughs> um, and I guess Steve's like one thing, and the rest of the things are for her <laughs> because like she just loves what I shop yeah. for her, so it's fun. Um, but right. we're gonna start like decorating the tree like when we get back from Vegas. Is that too soon? Wow. Yeah, we're gonna start December second. Yo, to me, it's too soon. To me, it's too soon, but uh, that's me. What about you? No, 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 no. It'll be after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, I'm putting the tree up December mm-hmm. 2nd. It's not like I'm going to do it during Thanksgiving. And yeah. it's going to be so weird because, I, I mean, it's a Christmas tree, but I'm Jewish, so I always have, like, Jewish ornaments. So I'm like, it's, yeah. it's, I call it the Hanukkah bush. It's a Hanukkah bush. <laughs> that's fine, yeah. It's a six-foot Hanukkah bush. It's a yeah. six-foot Hanukkah Well, how about bush. you, uh, Pam? So when do you put up the tree? Uh, well, usually I kind of sort of start this weekend um, during football, yeah. in between football games and stuff. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll start Friday. You know, I'll get stuff down and start Friday and and hook it up. Um, that's just, now, you do you know, have a tree tree or do you have one of the – we have, like, this – fake tree i don't know if it's fake it probably is fake but it's like he's had it for like 15 years and it's like six feet tall and it just you put it on it has to look like a little stand 
And it's so much easier than, like, actually getting an actual tree because I don't want an actual I tree. Have, uh, my, my, my dog will go crazy. Yeah, yeah I have small, little small Christmas trees around the house because I have cats in the house now, and I learned that lesson a while back. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. But I have cats a like – hide uh, in them. Yeah, I know, but I have well, a uh uh I have a lighting a light I have a big window out front and I have a mm-hmm. light that I turned I, I made a dream catcher, a lighted dream catcher and I put that in my front window. Um Oh that's so, so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well I guess well I guess it does to me as far as cats goes, because my daughter my uh, for the Christmas holidays, because she comes over to, uh, stays with us about three or four weeks with the cat. And one of her cats used to always climb the tree. I mean, we got a picture of the cat in the tree. Uh, yeah, I kind of learned that a while back. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and cats and trees are like, uh, they're meant for climbing, I guess. So. Hey, Dr. Larry, how are you doing? Well, I'm listening uh, to your attempt to keep up with these two quick women. Yeah, it's... Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Well, okay. Do you know I, the I price of bacon this week, Doctor Larry? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the price of bacon this week? <laughs> yeah. Well, like you say, we're the uh, you know the the pig farmers are doing pretty well at the moment. Uh, yeah, like you say, keep that high price of bacon, high price of pork. But, well, uh, I haven't noticed yeah. the difference, to be honest. Not where I'm at. Yeah. Well, everything's higher in California anyway. So, and, you're already. Well, well my yeah. joke was for Dr. Larry because he said he has to ask his wife how much the groceries are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know that. A uh, happy life yeah. is a happy wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's put this one. What is, uh, okay, we got Coco is basically her Thanksgiving is going to Vegas and gambling. Because, you know, that is just sells. I mean, that is Thanksgiving, right? Gambling in Vegas. Uh, gambling well, in Vegas. It's, 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 I mean, I... I, when She's I go to Vegas, I like to gamble. I like I like playing blackjack. I'm very good at blackjack. And the one thing I love doing, though, I told you guys, is like the bingo holes. They're like, yeah. they're so fun because it's it's not like your regular bingo. Um, they literally have like a bartender just like making you whatever you want to drink, <laughs> and you're just like playing yeah. for hours. Obviously, you get drunk, but it's electronic bingo, so like you can get it's like kind of like a little iPad type thing, and it just so you never miss a number. So that's what's great about it. Yeah. Oh. Well, we're 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 having a family reunion at a little resort out here. Oh really? So yeah, we yeah we the get a chance. Has- Get a chance to see all the grandchildren for a change. Yeah. Now, the oh, resort, wow. Would that be your? Would that be your farm? I'm sorry. The resort. Uh, where are yeah, you going, or would that be? It, it's. Um, um, well, I can't really think of the name of it, but as you can tell, I'm very excited about it. Um, it's. Uh, <laughs> 
No, uh, I just go where they tell me. I'm not sure where it is. Yeah. But uh, we got all the kids well, from college. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, it sounds like a, you're going to have a fun time there. Uh, what, uh, we got about, uh, what we're going to do here, I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing at Thanksgiving after this upcoming break. Uh, I would like to hear more from Pam and what she plans to do with uh, her Thanksgiving, and then we'll go from there. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson File, here with the Thanksgiving special with Coco Konski, with Pam, the Swamp Girl from South Carolina, and, of course, Dr. Larry, who makes the resistance hour the resistance hour. <laughs> Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here in the Bachelor News Radio Network, our Thanksgiving special. Okay, Pam, what do you plan to do for your uh, Thanksgiving? What do you got planned? Mm, well, Tom, kind of sad this year. But, no, we don't do Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. Um, we're going to do our Thanksgiving on Sunday. And wow, we got a turkey wow. and we got everything we need. Um but we will be going to the nursing home and hanging out there. So, all right. To see my mom. So yeah. Hmm. Well, we've. I found out, Tom, that it's Lansdowne. That's where we what? have to go. Lansdowne is over in Leesburg, Virginia. All right. That's that's the name of this uh, resort, and. Uh, oh. You, you were asking me the name of it, and I have uh, since yes, uh, researched it very quickly and discovered what it is. And you can guess how oh, that okay. happened. <laughs> yeah, so you asked your wife right again. Next. I asked my wife. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, yeah, the Lansdowne Resort and Spa in Leesburg. Yeah, well, right. It's like a pretty nice place. Looks pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it is. We're um, <clears throat> we're uh, they're going to all be there. So that's um, I'm uh, 
they're going to say. You know, it's it, it it's been so it's interesting now because the older uh, girls are in college, and uh, all this yeah. stuff we've been hearing about what's going on in the college curricula. I'm going to see if I can find out what they uh, what they know, because um, they're one is going to Miami and University in uh, in Miami, and the other one's going to uh, University of Virginia. And we uh, have a couple more coming up, and they're all they're all crew uh, they're all getting crew scholarships. You know they. Cool. they uh, wow. Yeah, they get in the boats and they go like hell. <laughs> so yeah. they uh, they're very athletic. Yeah. But anyway, that's, well, that's a tough. That, yeah, that's a tough sport. So, well, basically, you know, in my case, it comes down to this: is my normally I end up in New York, or New York, but my youngest daughter basically is working every day for Thanksgiving. So she kind of says it's not worth the effort. Uh, the the oldest is in Reno, uh, probably uh, with friends. As for us, we have a nice big turkey, which we'll be eating most of the weekend. Is that just you and uh, your wife? Just my wife and I. Yeah, we'll have turkey. Uh, so the kids turkey. don't. The, have... the kids can't. Well, go, the kids don't come home, huh? No. See, the problem is my my youngest has to work. But she, you know, and uh, it came down to this in order. Now she's something she's not done in the past. She's going to be coming to, you know, you know we're going to, she's going to come home to here for Christmas. But in order to uh, do that, she has to basically work Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I, and I know that she's got a birthday coming up next week. And so for her birthday, you know, for her birthday, she basically, uh, for her birthday, she uh, she's going to uh, you know going to come out to uh, actually I think she may be coming to L.A. and meet up with her sister for a weekend concert or something. I have no idea. You know, I guess well, I should Co- ask her. Coco, uh, yeah. you met one of you met my daughter when oh, we were yeah. here in Washington. Right. So yeah. They're a lively bunch. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Un- unlike oh, their grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the thing is, like I said, I mean, in my case, we'll have Thanksgiving dinner, and then this weekend is our 45th anniversary. So. Really? I guess oh, we'll wow. Be- yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Happy uh, anniversary. Wait, what, what year did you guys get married? 1976. Oh wow, that's like the my parents got married in seventy three. Oh. So yeah. Yeah, forty five years. Yeah. And they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> yeah. They always say that, don't they? Years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. all, Tom? Is that it's all usually yeah. usually the wi- usually the wife's father that says that, right? Yeah. He's not so, good enough for my daughter. Well, actually, my father-in-law actually likes me. I think he likes me better than, let's say, my see, my wife's a twin. Uh, your, wife, your wife is a twin? Yeah. 
Is, really? Uh, her, yeah, so Joyce, the twin sister, married Drake, who is fit. Yeah, you know, he's. Let's just say Drake's an interest was an interesting fellow. Or you know, it's been a while since I've seen Drake, but uh, uh, they're still married. They're been. God, I'm thinking they were married about a year after we did, or two years after we did. And uh, he came from some sort of money family. And uh, and and let's just say he had some uh, uh, interesting family members, and we'll leave it at that. It was a very entertaining wedding, to say the least. Where do they live? Oh, God. Were there fights? Actually, no. Well, no. But there was some strange. Let's just say there was some interest. I mean, uh, you know, his family, you know, I always found his, you know, I found, I thought his family was somewhat interesting, to say the least. So, uh, but they were rather entertaining for me to watch. Let's put it that way. In, or, in other words, that means I can't talk about it because we're on the radio. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> oh, yeah. They were, they were very, like I, say, I mean, let's just say that, yeah, let's just say there are things I just do not talk about and keep in the family. Yeah. Where, where, do they, where do they live, uh, Tom? Well, well, right now, uh, uh, they live in Leesburg, I think. Yeah, Leesburg. Uh, uh, that's and, where. And she, uh, that's where I'm going. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing where is, Lanzo she uh, was well, for years and years. Joyce, it was you know she got a job as a beltway bandit. She somehow or another took a home economics uh, degree and turned it into management with some uh, with some you know what yeah. The Beltway Bandits, for those people who don't know, all of these various consulting firms, which uh, you, uh, Larry, had your share of consulting firms working with the federal government, and she worked with one that was military-oriented. Their job basically was to calculate what it would take to service a particular – any jet projects that they have. And at that time, I think it was the F-15, what it would take to do it. And basically, for somehow reason, she was the man. She had some managerial position, and underneath her, I mean, you literally had Air Force pilots, ex-military, underneath her command, underneath her command uh, with this uh, consulting group. So, well, there's a lot of that. Yeah. So that was That's yeah. Funny. So yeah. You know, we tended so to that, be more in the. We tended to be more in the uh, medical and public health areas, but we we had some of the yeah. same kind of thing. You know, we 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 staffed all the uh, the BSL four facility in, in uh, Frederick in Fort yeah. Frederick, uh, and um, you know, so basically. They, they, even the head guy had to come to me to find out what what they were doing. So it was, it was, uh, it's a very strange world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, DC is a very strange world, in my view. It's, uh, yeah, I lived, I mean, I was raised in that area. And so we used to, I mean, literally, you know, the joke that my dad would have was, yeah, the, the Pentagon colonels were like privates, and there were so many retired colonels, and it was like, all intents and purposes, if you were a colonel, 
for the most part, it was the equivalent of being a private anywhere else because that's basically you had generals and colonels. <laughs> yeah. And it appeared to be. Appeared to be. Well, so, they get that all arranged before they retire, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you know, the interesting thing about it was because I was going to remember because my high school, you know, I, I, you know, I, I soon taught at the high school I, you know, that I went to. And I can always remember the one thing that our, you know, the, a good portion of the, the teachers at this high school were all ex-military. I mean, they were literally ex-military. I mean, they, you know, I was in the social studies department and, and I would say you had five or six guys who were like, you know, captains and colonels teaching. What something. school? This was their second. Uh, then it was Jeb Stewart High School. Say again? It used to be Jeb Stewart High School. Oh. In Andes? But, or or uh, uh, Arlington? Fairfax. Arlington Fairfax, Fairfax really? Yeah. We were there. Yeah. They, hey, of course, uh, they it's don't... no longer Jeb Stewart High School. It's no longer Jeb Stewart High School because two years ago somebody said we cannot have a high school named after a Confederate general. Right. They don't so do that anymore. That, they don't do that anymore. So, so I have no idea what is taught now. All right. Well, well, tell you, what we're going to do here. We're going to take a quick break. And then what I want everybody to do is, you know, do you guys have a favorite Thanksgiving story or stories? Uh, after this break, this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Piles here on the Bachelor. News Radio Network. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for media flu. media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here with Dr. Larry, the Swamp Girl Pam, and Coco Kosky uh, here on Thanksgiving Recollection. And speaking of the flu and viral illness tomorrow, our guest will be Kevin Roche. We'll be talking about the latest update of information on the coronavirus. So uh, join and tune into that show, and then uh, I'm not sure what is. The, are we doing a our own uh, version Resistance Hour Thanksgiving special, or do we know that yet, Larry? Uh, I don't know. I I I'm I, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in Lansdowne. <laughs> so, ah, I, so basically, so, I'm doing the show. Yeah. So if, I think I think you I think we ought to do a replay. Or, or maybe, yeah. maybe we should go. Ahead. Maybe we should go ahead. I, I guess I can call in from anywhere. Yeah, you can call in anywhere. Why don't you just call on in and let's, and I'll see if I can get a guest or two. Uh, so Pam, what are you doing tomorrow night? 
Well, at least I don't have to work this week. The shop is given, so I will be around tomorrow night. Well, good. Uh, then you can join us uh, for the Wednesday edition of the Discord <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, so for, once I'll, girl for once I'll be home. Yeah, well, and so Pam will go. be joining us tomorrow night. Uh, Dr. Larry, you can call in. Uh, you can even have Teresa call in, too. So, Teresa? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, she gets pretty busy uh, being producing uh, our show, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, this is okay. Okay, here's, uh, I mean, uh, you, know, you know, we have some, you know, great stuff. I mean, my father and his brother, you know, my dad was the youngest of seven kids, and Russell was like two years older. And uh, and so we would every and we would you know, alternate. Uh, you know, Russell had his you know you know was actually worked for Boeing, uh, but he also had a small farm that he did. He had a little small farm, and uh, and so we would alternate. He would you know one year they come to our house, the next year we go to their house and uh, visit the farm, and every you know and. And we would basically watch NFL football, and then we would play our own family game. It was the Donaldsons versus the Donaldsons, the Maryland Donaldsons versus the uh, Virginia Donaldsons. So we would every play foot, you know. So we would have, you know, the family football games, uh, and big turkey dinner, and. And as you can, you know, and so, you know, and so we, we had always had a good time, you know. And then we would meet on the Fourth of July, and we, you know, and it was always enjoyable to go up to his farm on the Fourth of July, mainly because you could pretty much shoot anything you want to shoot at uh, over there, including you know illegal firecrackers. <laughs> and sometimes we even, and sometimes we shoot those off at the Thanksgiving as well, but. Yeah, but that's you know, some of the things I remember. Uh, how about you, Pam? What's uh, what? You got any memories of Thanksgiving? Oh my goodness, yeah. We used to have Thanksgiving at my grandma's house, and in our family, uh, traditionally the men cook the Thanksgiving meal, and the women get to sit down for the day. Um, but that didn't quite happen all the time. But um, as my brother got older. I, they had him cooking the rolls or the biscuits one year, and they came out of the oven black on the bottom, and you know, pretty bad. And he, you know, we called them his chocolate biscuits. So as we got older, what he what he does now is he'll go buy somewhere, buy a bakery somewhere, pick up a pie, and then he'll put his name on it, Tom's Bakery. Um, and that's been our running joke for the longest time. Uh, the pies and cakes and stuff when he picks them up. He always picks up a pie, usually a pumpkin pie and a pecan pie. Not a pumpkin pie, a pecan pie, but a pumpkin pie and a sweet potato pie. Yeah. And uh, he puts Tom's Bakery on them. He just scratches the name of the grocery store or whatever and puts Tom's Bakery. And <laughs> tells well, everybody he made right, it. That, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Coco, what stories do you have? What, I mean, do you have any well, favorite uh, memories? No. <laughs> We didn't really celebrate Thanksgiving. It was like not literally like I don't know. 
I mean, we did sort of, but it wasn't like this all out like feast or whatever. I do remember one year my mom like was trying to be all healthy. So she made us like eat like tofurkey thing and it was like really disgusting and I hated it. <laughs> um, it was like this fate and like I literally I had I, um, I was shopping at Whole Foods the other day and I literally saw the thing that she used to make us and it's like this like. Uh, it just it just it was just not good I don't, maybe she didn't cook it right I don't know it just wasn't tasty um but we have like here at the house like we have our own tradition now like we'll pre-order from Whole Foods like they have these like amazing like last year we had this like um we pre-ordered our Christmas meal and it was like the best food ever so like you go to Whole Foods or whatever um and I think only Whole Foods does this um, and you pick, like, seven sides. You pick, like, what kind of roast you want, pork, ham, turkey, yeah. whatever. They have it. And it's, like, seven sides, and then they give you, like, a pie. And it's, just like, it's like ready there. All you got to do is, like, put it in the oven. So it's, like, super easy, super simple. Um, and so it's kind of our tradition now. It's, like, we'll go to Whole Foods for Christmas and, you know, get, I think last year we got, like, this huge ham this roast of ham. It was like a honey baked ham or whatever. Um, and it's delicious. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I just like, I just put it in the oven and the sides are all there. They're all cooked. So um, it saves a lot of time, basically. Yeah. This year, I am going to my parents. So um, it was weird. So... <laughs> My mom is making, like, the most ridiculous, like, she she started texting me, like, about a week ago. She's, like, she's pre-cooking, preparing, like, food that, like, she'll, she she baked, like, three um, streusels in the oven. And she's, like, oh, I just baked them to see how they would turn out for, like, so when you guys come over for Thanksgiving. I'm, like, what? I was, like, she, she's, like, made, like, banana bread with pecans and raisins. Like, I swear to God. I'm, like, why are you doing this now? She's, like, oh, this is just to test to see if it comes out good. And, like, so she got, like, a, a, it's only going to, it's only going to, I swear to you, it's only going to be four people. It's me, Steve, and my my dad and my mom. And she bought, like, a 15-pound turkey. I was, like, how many people are coming? She's, like, oh, it's just going to be us. And she and then she started baking pecan pies, and she has a cherry apple pie. She has a rhubarb pie. I'm like, I was like, you realize, like, I got like jaw sur, I got like oral surgery, right? Like, I literally cannot eat any like. And then she's like, oh, should should I make some pasta to go with it? Some pasta and salmon. And I'm like, no, what? What are you doing? I mean, I'm so happy you're like your new kitchen, but Jesus Christ, like we're not going to like, I mean, she's making food for like as if 14, 20 people are showing up, but in reality, it's only four people and it's annoying. And then she had me, I swear, Tom, this is like, this is insanity. She had me pick up six havlas, which are, it's like a Jewish dessert. It's basically it's disgusting. Yeah. It's honestly the worst thing in the world. It's basically just pure sugar that like I literally can't have because it's like a sugar cube type thing. So she had me pick up six of those, pick me up some, picked up some wine and three pies on top of the four pies she's baking. Like, mm. I, I don't wow. understand this madness. I honestly don't. Well, listen, well, listen, like... would, would you, um, would you uh, give, give me her telephone number? We'd like to invite her to our Thanksgiving. 
<laughs> I swear to God, like, and, and then on top of that, Larry, on top of that, she's like making like Cuban dishes. I'm like, mom, there's really like four people and one dog. Like, we don't need 35 items of food. This is stupid. And she's like, well, you never well, Mama know. Mama can send me Cuban food. I, Mama can send me Cuban food. I just absolutely love it. Oh Tell Mama, God. give Mama my address. I mean, she can mail it to me. <laughs> I would be in heaven. Oh, oh, my God. She made, like, oxtail the other day, too. Like, she just, like, randomly made oxtail. Oh, wow. I, I, like, I think, why? I think, I think your mother is a national treasure. Really? But the thing is, like, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't eat. She weighs ninety eight pounds, and she she skips breakfast and lunch. She just eats dinner, and she just likes to cook. She just like her thing is she just enjoys to cook. She won't eat the food, but she'll cook it, which was like drives me insane. I'm like, I don't know why you do this, but okay, yeah. it would make you well, happy. Enjoy. Tell her you know well, some poor like people me. in South Carolina. So. <laughs> yeah. Really? She would send it. Yeah, I was gonna say, well. Well, it sounds like to me, uh, Coco, you're going to have leftovers uh, sent back to you with Steve. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, well okay, if they... Dr. Larry, what, do you have any memories of Thanksgiving you like to share? Well, I think the most unusual one for the at the time was <clears throat> when I got, um, I, I, uh, I was in school in Detroit, Michigan, and um, I, uh, I, my ride to uh, Lansing, which is where where uh, my folks were, um, he, just he, uh, he he got an accident or something, but I can't remember exactly why he couldn't uh, he couldn't drive, but it, it came up at the last minute. So uh, another guy that I was that was. Uh, in our crowd, uh, came up with some tickets to the uh, the uh, football game, the Detroit Lions, and they were playing the Green Bay Packers. And I had never heard of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I I thought they were from some little little town in Wisconsin. I didn't know anything about them. And I I so we went to the that was the first uh, NFL game I ever went to. And it was a beautiful day and a beautiful game, and the D- Detroit got killed. And that's um, when I decided to become a Green Bay Packer fan because they were really sharp. And of course, this was back in back in the day when they were, you know, pretty much the the uh, the guys that were running. They were the top of the league at the time, and uh, Lombardi mm-hmm. was around and. So uh, oh, wow. it was, yeah, yeah, it was really, uh, really quite a, quite an exciting time, and my folks were very unhappy that I didn't make it, but uh, I thought I, <laughs> I uh, did just as well. But we didn't have we didn't have any turkey that day. <laughs> well, now, well, here's the thing. I'll speak of that because. The other aspect is, like, like I gotta say, for several years in a row, I would go see Bethany because she always had to work, and we get two or three. Now, normally we work around Thanksgiving, and we were, and at the time she worked at 9/11, the 9/11 Museum, and around the corner was a Morton Steakhouse. So we basically made that for about a few years in a row our tradition, where you know she would, uh, you know, 
I think she, you know, she would base. We would basically meet at the Morton Steakhouse. That well, that ain't shabby. That ain't shabby. That ain't shabby. That, that ain't shabby. Yes. And so, and uh, and one year they had the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins uh, on the TV. So not only did I get to see Morton, so I got to see Washington play football. And so it was like a, you know, yeah, a twofer there for me. But all right, I got a quick story here to read, and uh, it's from the Reader's Digest, and, and it's a it, it goes that a teacher learned some of the most moving lessons are taught by students. The, Mrs. Klein told her first graders draw a picture of something for which they're thankful, and she thought how little these children who lived in a deteriorated neighborhood actually had to be thankful for. She knew that most of the class would draw pictures of turkeys or bountifully laid Thanksgiving tables. That was what they believed was expected of them. But Mrs. Klein was taken back with a young boy named Douglas. Douglas was so far along, likely to be found close to her shadow as they went out for recess. Uh, Douglas's drawing was simply this. But it's whose hand? The class was captivated by this image. And, 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 and like one student said, must be the hand of God bringing us food. Another said it had to be farmers because they grow the turkeys. Another said it looked like a policeman because they protect us, I think. And they all were trying to guess what was he trying to do. And Mrs. Clyde had almost forgotten Douglas and her pleasure of finding the class so responsive when she had the others at work on another project. She bent over his desk and asked, whose hand was it? And Douglas mumbled, it's yours, teacher. It's yours, Mrs. Clyde. And then Mrs. Clyde recalled that she had taken Douglas by the hand from time to time, as she's often did with the children. But it really meant a lot to Douglas. And she reflected this was her Thanksgiving and everybody's Thanksgiving. Not the material things given upon us, but the small ways we give to others. Well, what do you guys think? Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Larry, any comments? Well, it's very nice. Uh... I wish I knew some people like that. Adorable. Uh, Coco? Adorable. Adorable, yeah. You know, I thought, like I say, it was one of those things I, because I was sitting there trying to do this, and I thought, ah, you know, this, it was a Reader Digest, you know, they have their Thanksgiving special stories that you can think of, and I, I, that one kind of moved me. I read it the first time. I even had a tear or two in my eyes. You know, you know but I thought it was kind of interesting, because we talk about, you know, the material side, but sometimes the Thanksgiving is what we are thankful for. And uh, so it's, and I, I, I don't know, it's just, I thought it was kind of a moving aspect of it as well. So, but I guess we got about a few minutes left. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, the, and it, so I'll tell you what the, Kind of summarize uh, very briefly. I'll start with you, Coco. You know, what Thanksgiving mean to you? Uh, what do you What do you love about it? What do I love about it? 
the food. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> food? Oh. Although not really much this year, considering I can't have anything solid. Sucks. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really much of a holiday person, except Christmas and Hanukkah. I, I just don't really care yeah. about any other holiday. This is a bad question to ask me. <laughs> All right. All right, Pam. Your thoughts. Oh, I just like the fact that everybody gives thanks on the same day. We we are uh, taught to give thanks every day, and uh, that's the one day that everything is pretty much universal, yeah. no matter, you know, who you are, what religion, what background. You know, that's what I like about it. It's like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Larry. Well, I think I think it it's um it, it's imp, it's an important day because it does remind us that we have to give thanks for something. In fact, I just I just uh, published a, co- a column on that, giving thanks in the midst of political strife. Uh, you know, we live in pretty. Uh, Pretty uh, dramatic times with uh, with all the <clears throat> violence and all of the dissension and and the uh, and the kind of splitting up of the of the whole population into uh, various camps that uh, in many cases are not very uh, friendly to each other. It seems like a really, and then we, on top of that, the economy starts to starts to show cracks with um, energy uh, problems and and inflation, and there's just a lot of things that 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 you could be complaining about, and that are kind of putting a cloud over the sun in uh, in some ways, but in in spite of all that. We're now asked to uh, remember that we should be giving thanks, and how, how do we, how do we do that? And uh, I think it's important to uh, sometimes think about what are what are the things that we do have to we have to think of, be thankful for. I think that your idea of giving thanks every day is a very uh, is a very noble. Uh, a sentiment, and I wish everybody could do that, but it's it's very hard sometimes. But I think the 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 main thing that we, from a political point of view and and a social point of view, is we are free, still a free people, and and that there's not very many. There are a lot of places in the world where that's not very true. You know, look in in China where they've got all the the, the uh, Dictatorship, and in the same way in Russia and and uh, India has they have poverty and a strict caste system, and there are various uh, limitations on freedoms in some of the biggest city uh, yeah. countries in the world. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a like I say, that's a good point. We've got about ten thirty seconds left, so what I want to do is thank everybody for being on the show. Uh, thank you, Pam. But don't forget, Pam, you'll be on our show tomorrow night, the Resistance Hour, <laughs> okay. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, and maybe Dr. Larry will join us from his hidden place. So Are you talking about? Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah. So 
Yeah, so this is uh, Todd Donaldson saying thank you. Good night. Welcome you to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that everybody is able to tune in and join us uh, for another episode of You and the Law broadcast show. Uh, <clears throat> today we've got a, um, uh, a great topic to talk about. We've got a lot to talk about um, with the, so many different things going on. But before I go any, before I move, forward with anything else, I have got to introduce our listeners to the man of the hour who has not been with us the last couple of weeks. He is the host of You and the Law broadcast show, and he goes by the name of Chief Swag Humphrey. Did you bow when you said that, bro? You know, I had my head down. I was bowing. I was, sir. Okay. Did you? Did you? Uh, no, I'm just kidding, man. What, what's going on, V? Not a whole lot, brother. Good to hear your voice, man. You too, bro. You too. Good to hear you your too. voice. Well, hey, you know, <clears throat> before we uh, go any further, Keith, I uh, want to send our condolences to a. Uh, a good uh, a law enforcement friend of ours is in North Little Rock, also Tommy Norman, who lost his daughter. So our um, definitely our prayers go out to him and his family. Yeah, uh, Tommy's a great guy, and he's a very strong proponent of community policing. And so when I heard that, it was um, I was very um, um, very sad, and you know it goes back to that we're not supposed to bury our children. And uh, so prayers to Tommy and his family for their loss. Yeah, definitely, especially, you know, during these times, you know, right before the holidays. Any time is not a good time, but, you know, definitely right before the holidays, that definitely is, is hard on a lot of families. And, you know, Keith, we also, you know, had the tragic incident that happened in Wisconsin that, you know, we would definitely – like to send our thoughts and prayers to those families um, in Wisconsin that was tragically, um, you know, struck by a person who, you know, for whatever reason, drove into a crowd of of people in the Delta uh, risen again today. So, you know, just so many things going on around the country. It is, man. 
You know, Virgil, I, I know you normally start, man, but I, I want to just say something, man. This this, um, this self-defense um, excuse or defense that people are using, um, you know, it was used in the Trayvon Martin situation. Uh, it's been used in several uh, profiled, uh, high-profile incidents throughout the nation. Um, uh, Rittenhouse was just uh, clear based on that. But you've you, you got to understand, I don't think some people read that. You know, we talk about the stand-your-ground law and things like that, and, and Texas has a stand-your-ground law. But one of the things it says in that statute is that you can't provoke it. You can't provoke the action. Um, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> I, I still think it goes back to why was a 17-year-old taken to Kenosha? Why was a 17-year-old walking the streets with a gun? Uh, why was a 17-year-old, why did he put himself in a position uh, to have to utilize that force. Now I know there's people that that are basically saying I was I was reading. You sent me a message earlier. At the end of the day, three, two people are dead. One is injured. But but you, but I think people have to realize, and it goes down to being the parent parents of a uh, of three being a parent of three girls. Uh, you have a daughter that is not too far removed from the age of 17. Uh, you know, why would you allow your child? to go to another state, another city uh, with a weapon to, to patrol uh, the streets for safety purposes, knowing that with that weapon and, and, as, and as intense as things were in Kenosha at that time, that there is a possibility that that weapon might be discharged, whether uh, someone take it from him, whether whatever. Um, yeah, and and the the main focus is nobody looks at that. It, it, they they look at the fact that this man had a reason, had a right to defend himself, and and but nobody wants to look at the fact of why he was there. Why why were you there in the first place? And I'm well, a big, you know I'm, you know what I'm a, I'm gonna say this version. I'm a I'm a I'm a proponent of Second Amendment. Oh, I believe yeah. that people do have a right to protect themselves. Nobody's saying that. But it comes down to what's he there looking looking for a fight. Those, that's the yeah. question that you have that's going to linger in people's in people's people's mind. And I, I just can't I can't I can't get it. This man's being prevailed a, uh, as a hero. Yeah. Well, you know, Keith, it, it, to our listeners, if you're just now tuning into the show, uh, you know, the show topic is the legal standard for self defense and with the Ahmad Arbery trial, with the uh, Rittenhouse trial that was just uh, where he was just acquitted. Uh, you know, Keith, you said this man, this is a this is a kid. You know, seventeen years old when he committed the crime. He's eighteen year old he's eighteen now. So I don't look at this uh, he's not a man, he's a child. He, You know, what really got me, Keith, was the fact that the prosecutors really did not do a very good job of really diving into this young man's background, the fact that he was 17 years old, the fact that his mother took him to this city where there was 
already the tension was really high. And like you said, why take a 17-year-old with, with that type of a weapon into a, an environment where you don't know the unknown? And it just seemed well, like, Keith, there was a lot of things that they overlooked. And I pretty much watched as much of the trial as I could, but I didn't hear anything about this 17-year-old kid. Well, I don't think they could. I don't think they could introduce any of that, Virgil. But I know we got a break well, to go it, to, and I didn't want to start. Yeah. There, I don't think they can. I don't think they could introduce that. I, I think those are facts. I think in the civil case, that'll be brought up. Uh, I think I will tell you this. Um, uh, my mom would have popped me upside my head if I'd have said, "I'm going over here." <laughs> she would have said, "You go in there, help. You go in there, clean up your room." You're going to do your homework or something, but you are not. Basically, you're not going over there. You're not yeah. going over there, and you're definitely not taking a gun. Uh, but exactly. Uh, uh, but anyway, I, I think I know we got to go to a to a break. Yeah, uh, and, and Tom, uh, <clears throat> we've got Tom who wants to jump in and, and add a comment real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Well, let's wait on the the ad here. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I just want to remind our listeners that if you're just now tuning into the show, you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and tonight we're going to be talking about the uh, standards for self-defense. So we're going to take this break, and we come back, we're going to get back into the topic of the standards for self-defense, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Napa know how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hey, I want to welcome everyone back to you and the Law broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So, Keith, you know, we're talking about the standards for uh, self-defense and how this played out in the recent trial in um, Wisconsin involving the 17-year-old. And so how do you, you know, when we look at the case in uh, 
Georgia with Ahmad Arbery, where you got the two, where you got basically three defendants who are on trial, basically stating that there is self-defense uh, in the situation with Ahmad Arbery, where you've got a father and a son who chases a man down uh, for a crime that he did not commit, which a, a crime hadn't even occurred. So. Again, it's just going to be interesting to see how this jury uh, comes back with a verdict in in that trial in in Georgia. It is going to be interesting, and I, I will tell you that uh, I think that uh, the 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 defend your the self defense and stand your ground laws have have gotten have gone to the extreme. Uh, there are already laws on the books. In, in various states, and I'm not sure it's not in all states that they give you specific information or details on when you can protect yourself and what level of force. You can't utilize an uh, amount of force higher than the force that's being used against you. And so the laws are always, I used to tell people all the time, you know, when I was a street officer, where they'll say, they'll ask, well, can I defend myself? And I would always direct them to that section of the statutes in Texas and say this is the statute tells you very clearly what you can do. And police officers have to be really careful about telling people about self-defense because some people will interpret that and you can't joke with people about self-defense. You've got to be very specific. But I always direct people to the statute uh, when it, you know, that talks about self-defense in their respective states. But, but I, will, I, will, I will tell you when you look at the uh, a Marbury case, um, you know, if you listen to some of the statements from some of the witnesses and you find out that there were other people who had gone inside that home um, uh, the same way Amar did and, and you know, they were white and others, why him? Why, why was he uh, selected by these three uh, people? Why was he when there were other people? And I think that's the biggest question that people have. And let me ask you this, Virgil. If you're walking down the street and and you're minding your own business and somebody comes up to you and try to detain you for no reason and they're using force, what are you going to do? I mean, what, what well, are you going to do? If somebody's trying to arrest you, a citizen's trying to arrest you, you haven't done anything. All you've done is you've gone in and looked at a home that's something you haven't done anything but look. You haven't taken anything, nothing. You haven't damaged anything, but you go in and you looked at a house, and then you're going to walk, you're walking home, and then all of a sudden these, these guys attack you. I mean, are you not supposed to defend yourself? Are you not, I mean, well, are you know, you not supposed to, as, as Mr. Arbery, are you not supposed to, I mean, fight back? To, I mean, I mean I, that's, what, that's what I don't get. I don't, I don't understand what he, I don't understand why people can't see why he was the, true victim here and all he was doing was minding his business and 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 he didn't do anything <laughs> you know, that's yeah all he did was the house yeah and keith i think that the whole everything has been shifted that he is not the victim uh ahmad arbery was not the victim ahmad arbery committed a crime and so you've got people who with the attitude that, well, hey, he shouldn't have ran. 
Well, again, this man was out running, so there's nothing against the law in you running. And you have to be, you, you have to uh, ask yourself this question, and not for people to put in the the race card, but if this had, if this was a 25 year old white man, young white man who was jogging, running in, into that neighborhood, would the same thing have happened to him? I'm gonna have to say no. You know, none of you. Some people will say, "Well, how do you know?" Well, you got to look at this at the circumstances of what happened, and the fact that this isn't the first time something like this has happened to a black man running in a neighborhood or running in a park, where he has been confronted by a white person who has assumed that he has committed a crime, and so for these individuals, he. Well, Virgin, if you go back and listen to some of the witnesses, they basically said that, I mean, he was referred to as colored. Um, there were some that said that there, and there were some people that said there were there were white whites that had gone inside that house and there was never a problem. Um, Correct. You know, and there was never any there was never any footage showing. The footage disputed what those three guys said that he had been there before. And so what if he'd have been there before? Okay, that's okay. I've built a house and people have gone to look at it. Who hasn't gone driven around on Sundays or, or you know, or been on a walk in their neighborhood and they see somebody building a new house and it's open? Who hasn't gone in uh to look, you know, at a at a at a house? I mean what what is the what is the what's the what's uh, what's the harm in that? Yeah, and again, Keith, you know, everybody has it apparently more than Ahmad Arbery had went into this home that was under construction. Right. And right. the fact that the son stated on the witness stand that, you know, he had heard different stories about, you know, there was several homes had been broken broken into in the neighborhood. But all of those were things that he had heard about. He did not know for himself or had not seen anything that was committed in his presence. And Keith, another thing with the son, they're, you know, using the fact that, hey, he was in the Coast Guard. Okay, to me, that's irrelevant because he has never been a a municipal police officer, never been a state police officer, never been a county deputy. So yeah, he was a Coast Guard in the in the in the in the uh, military. Well, all of a sudden you want to bring up the fact that he has training on de-escalation. He has training on on use of force. Well, if you've got all this training, why didn't you utilize that training to say, hey, I'm not even I'm a civilian. I'm not a police. Uh, this man hasn't done anything in my presence, but here again, you want to take the law into your own hands to uh, arrest this person for something that you don't even know that he had did or hadn't done. Well, I, I will tell you this, man, and, and we tell people this all the time, uh, unless there's someone in danger, third parties in danger or you're in danger, don't get involved. Uh, property can be replaced. 
a life can't your life or the other person's life. We we tell people that on a regular basis. And 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 my question still comes where you're looking. You know, it this goes back and and and, and it's very very, very similar to the Trayvon Martin situation. I'm going to you're not gonna walk through my area. You don't look like you belong here, so I'm going to stop you. Well I don't I don't care if that person that's being stopped is black, white, Hispanic, Asian, male, female, you're going to get some resistance, especially if someone's not doing anything. If they're walking through a neighborhood, they're not doing anything, and you come up and confront them and then you grab them, oh, there is going to, the natural reaction is going to be, you're, I'm going to, you're not going to hold me. And there's going to be, there's going to be some physical contact. There's going, there's going to be up to a fight, uh, it comes down to at what point, how much authority do you have in those situations? We talk about citizens' arrest. Um, it's worth it, Virgin. I know I've been at I've been at um, I've been at malls, shopping centers, and I've seen um, before I became a police officer. Uh, I've seen people going in and they steal something. They come out three or four people. They come out with that, and then you'll have a citizen that hey, pay for that. And, you know, it comes down to you've got three guys and one person. Um, man, come on now. You know, it always they always talk about being a being a witness, you know, being a good witness. I mean, you know, hey, hey, this is what they look like. This is what they drove away in. Here's a license plate. That's just as effective as anything else in certain situations. Now, we're not talking about – actually assaulting someone, actually putting someone's life in danger. We're not talking about that, but your life or the, or the life of a third person. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a guy, just like with Trayvon Martin, we're talking about a guy that went into a house, looking at a house in broad daylight, came out and was accosted by three individuals who determined that they were going to, who they believed he was committing a crime and they were going to do their civic duty and they were going to arrest this guy until police got here. Well, police got I don't, you know, and when you say, you know, their civic duty, I think this was more about privilege. This was more about I've got the authority, even though you're not a sworn police officer. And so you just had three individuals who got together and decided that this black man who was running down the street, who they were going to stop him at whatever it took to stop him, up to using deadly force. And what gets, you know, listening to the son's testimony, Keith, where he says he feared for his life because he felt like Ahmad Arbery was overpowering him and he was going to take his weapon away from him. Well, fool, you're the one who brought the, the gun with you. So this man had every right to take your gun away because he don't know you, but you're the one who presented the weapon. But all of a sudden now he feels like he's the victim and Ahmad Arbery is the suspect. Yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, and people, I, I, don't, I don't get why people don't get that. I, I don't get why people are upset You've got to look at the totality of everything. You have to look at the totality of everything. How did we get there? 
you know, how did we get there? We're not talking about a young man that had a gun and he came out with a gun or he pulled a gun on somebody. We're talking about a young man that and the people, how did you not know he had a how did you know how did they know he didn't have a gun? Well maybe they didn't, but what right did they have? Why would you approach somebody that you think had a gun? I mean, I just I don't I don't get that. I'm just I'm sorry, I don't get it. I understand you're protecting yourself, but I think that you've got a life lost tragically, then you have three individuals whose lives will never be the same because they felt like this is what they needed to do at this particular time over someone going inside of a a yard, inside of a home that's under construction. You know, I I just don't don't get it. Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, we're coming up on the taking our next break. Uh, We're going to take this break, and we come back, we're going to get back into the the conversation about – the um, the standards for self defense, but you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course, I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, jinx. (laughs) Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah. so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I'm not tired. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hey, we want to welcome you back to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where we are talking about the standards for self-defense. And, Keith, you know, so many people feel like this 17-year-old kid was justified in killing these two, two men and seriously injuring another one. And the fact that He's the one who had the assault weapon, and the fact that you got to look at everything that was going on and why was a 17-year-old there. And, Keith, this kid said that, hey, he was there to offer medical uh, assistance or treatment, but he didn't even have a CPR card. He didn't even have anything that that would show that he had any kind of medical uh, training to even put a Band-Aid on a person. So how is it that a 17-year-old wants to go somewhere uh, and to say he's going there to offer aid and to help protect people's property? I don't know, Virgil. I, I, you know, I, I, 
I, I still can't get over the fact that his mom took him there, or that or that she allowed him to go there. Really, even if she didn't take him, you can't tell me a seventeen-year-old that you don't have an input that that a parent doesn't have influence over that child to say you are not going because it's too dangerous for you to go. I think it's well. Let me say this: you're not going with a weapon. Now. There are kids, there are people that go and they protest. I have no problem with protest. People have a right to protest. Whether you agree with the groups or not, you have the right to protest peacefully. That's what the First Amendment says. It doesn't say that you have a right to protest um, and, and be disruptive. It doesn't say that. It said peaceful protest and assembly. Very clear. And so I don't have a problem with people going whatever side he was on. I don't have a problem with people protesting when you're not destroying people's property. But listen, that place was highly charged. Then you take a 17-year-old who, who obviously is very immature. He, he's told numerous lies about being certified as a paramedic, EMT, or whatever. He goes there with a weapon, and my question still as why would a 17-year-old go to a highly charged to a highly charged area with a weapon, knowing exactly. yeah, yeah. or putting himself yeah, in a position. Like, yeah, yeah, putting yeah. himself in a position. Keep, yeah, keep yeah, going, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because, number one, he, he didn't bring the weapon. The weapon was already there. And number two, he had family relations. It's not like he showed up out of the blue. He had family relations and he worked there. It, I mean, it, and the question comes into play is on the because I know the provocation case is provocation. In this case, they didn't prove it because, quite frankly, he was the one being attacked. And that's the witnesses said that. I mean, when you have your star witness, the gentleman who survived basically said, you know, I didn't get shot until I pulled the gun. And, and, and maybe the question I would throw back to the office, you know, the question nobody has asked is, where were these three gentlemen doing there? Because they were not there protesting. They were there part of a riot. And certainly in the case of... And Russia, I understand. Yeah. It, Tom, I, mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I get it. Yeah. And, and, and I can tell you why he was found innocent. Not guilty because under the statute, they were able to prove, the defense was able to prove that he felt in danger. But my my question still goes back to, my question still goes back to, why were you there with a gun? Yeah. Well, let me say this, and I think Tom. Hold on a second. If you know the atmosphere is highly charged like that, why would you show up with a gun? Then why would you? And well, then why would you say that you're EMT? Well, that, I mean, I guess that's that, what I'm saying. Me, yeah, I understand. This. To me, the bottom line is they had a gun, which was given to him by one of the his uh, friends. Yeah, yeah. Basically, this is a bit of a right. I mean, you're absolutely right. But to me, the other question comes into play. It's not like these three guys. These are not three protesters. These are three guys who themselves attacked the individual. Now, I do also want to go back to the case of Georgia, because I do think that on that case, I think you make a pretty good point, and I want to kind of ask the both of you, because I you know, I just started following that case. And the definition of citizen's arrest, so this is what the judge is instructing the jury. 
and this kind of makes me nervous if I was the prosecutor, because it seems to me he's given a wide range, uh, almost given him an excuse to basically acquit the case. And that is the case. The private person may arrest an offender if the offense committed in his presence or immediate knowledge if the offense is a felony and if the, op- and if the offender is escaped, they're attempting to escape. A private person may arrest. Uh, and I guess my question well, well, in that case is, is the judge being too broad, not being narrow enough, giving them enough leeway to acquit? What's your guys, what's both of your decisions on that? Well, let me I say this, that, Tom. You know, it, go ahead, go ahead, Bert. Well, it, 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 let me say this, Tom, and I think, you know, when the, the judge gave the jury the instructions about the self-defense, first of all, the, one of the key words that you said was a felony. A felony had to be committed in their presence, which is really no different than a police officer. These guys, there wasn't a felony that had been committed. So you, you've got to be able to articulate what crime occurred in your presence, how does that crime rise to the level of what type of force you're going to use in that crime? Just an example, you're in Walmart or you're in a, in a, at a mall and somebody is shoplifting and you've got a weapon on you. Now, do you as a citizen have the right to arrest that person for the shoplifting? And if it's under a certain amount of, of if it's only – if it's a pair of socks, if it's only under $50, that's a misdemeanor. That's not a felony. So all of a sudden now you take your gun out and you attempt to shoot you, you shoot this person and you kill this person. Well, how are you going to justify killing a person over them stealing a pair of socks that was less, that was worth yeah. 20 bucks, Tom? So. Well, I agree. Yeah. I mean, this particular Georgia case, I agree. I, my question goes back, though, is that it, I'm interpreting this, and please, if I'm wrong on this particular case of Georgia, I'm interpreting the judge giving a wide leeway of what a definition of felony is. And the other aspect, and please correct me, Rock, is you know, when I'm looking at the Georgia law, uh, you know, there's an interesting aspect, and in, in, if I understand the law correctly, it's not so much a felony could be, you know, if you see somebody going to a building that, let's say, they're not supposed to be in, whatever. And, again, I'm not excusing. I'm just simply saying they walk into that building. They don't necessarily, you know, they can still be accused of a felony even if there's no evidence they stole anything, if I understand the Georgia law correctly. And, that, and if that's the case, if I'm right in that interpretation, that felony you know, that's a pretty big definition for the defense to come walking in through. That's just my view. You know, Tom, let me ask you something. You're, you're a strapping young man, and you haven't done anything. Just hypothetical. Right. You haven't done anything. The only thing you're guilty of is looking in a house that's under construction, right. like, like, like hundreds of other people do. Okay, you didn't take anything. There's no trespassing signs up there. Nobody hasn't told you that you aren't welcome to go and look inside the house. Okay, so then you come out on your jog from, you know, you stop on your jog, you stop jogging, you go in and you look at it, you come out. 
and you got these these three individuals, or not even just say not these three individuals, that somebody is going to detain you because they feel like you may have taken something. Okay, yeah. so now you've got somebody who's telling you you're detained and you're not going anywhere. As, as a young man, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, whatever, and somebody tries to detain you and all you've done, your immediate response is going to be to, 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 be, uh, to, to get them away from you. Are you, are, you going, are you going to get physical? You're going to tell somebody, you don't have a right to, to detain me. And, and, then, and then so you, you detain this person. You put your hands on this person based on the fact that you think they've done something. Not that you've seen an offense in your presence. What offense did, did he commit? And, yeah. of course, well, he's going to start fighting. Of course he is. Yeah. And, and so now yeah. you, like you, you've done this. He yeah. starts fighting, and now all of a sudden now you throw yourself in, oh, my God, I fear for it, and i got to – Defend myself. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. I I don't. That's well, what. I know. I, that's I, what I, I don't want to understand. Yeah. Here's the thing, kid. I agree with you. In this particular case, I agree because the more I thought about this case, I'm thinking, okay. Uh, see, you know, I agree with you. I'm just simply saying. I I'm I've been reading a lot of the legal you know legal leads on this case, and and one of the criticisms that one of the legal that, that I respect uh, the guy said he's too broad. With his definition of a citizen's arrest, and that, sure, to, me, sure, and that sure. to me is the big fear. As for what you're saying, I agree with you because here's the thing that you know when I was thinking about this particular case, I have a martial arts background, and so, and one of the things that I've always was taught is you avoid situations first. But in this particular case, you get a gun pulled on you. At that point, you got two choices: either a you raise your hand. And hope for the best when the police show up. Or right. do you, in the back of your mind, think this guy's going to shoot me? So I got to just get this gun out of here. And I think in the latter case, this you know, Arbery's decision-making process was: Hey, this guy's pulling the gun on me. You know, I can see his face. You can see my face. I can identify him. There's a very good chance he's going to kill me anyway. I'm going to defend myself. And I think that right. that to me is the case. That to me is the case in the case of Arbery, and I and I and I, I understand just, that. Yeah, and, I well, think you, had, you know, Tom, you I think you had a I guy that was getting overpowered. It, it, it's like the George Zimmerman thing. I think you had a situation where a guy was getting overpowered. He bit off a little bit more than he could chew, and then now you've got to escalate it uh, because 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 at the end of the day, even if the guy would walk off, you can give that. You got video. There's video. And so you you can identify this guy. Say, hey, you know, this is what I saw. This is the guy. I just I just I just think you've got a person who's dead for no reason. I don't think there yeah. was any justification for for that young man to be dead right now. I really don't. Yeah, yep, you're right. Well, well and, 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 you know, Tom, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just simply I'm making the point. Is does yeah. is the jury going to buy? What would the jury think with this? You know. It was this an expanded version? Did, did they expand the definition of citizen's arrest? And if so, right. does that help the defense? And it helps the defense. And that's my biggest fear in this particular case. It may help the defense, uh, even I, though I agree with you. I agree with you. This no, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I get it. And that's and and that's the and that is the that is the that is the chance that you take when you take these cases to trial. Uh, because you, you, you might have someone that said that's too broad. 
uh, those are chances you can't. When someone goes to trial, 50-50 chance. You're going to be found, you're going to be acquitted, or you're going to be convicted. 50-50 chance. So people take the, the you know, um, the prosecution is wanting to win. The defense attorney yeah. is wanting to win. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. Hey, guys, we're, uh, we're coming up on taking our, our last break. But uh, we're going to take this break, and we're going to get back into the topic of the legal standard for self-defense. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Ugh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Hey, I want to welcome you back to hey, you and the Law broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I want to remind you that if you miss any parts of this show, uh, you can check out the rebroadcast show at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That's thebachelornews.airtime.pro. And also go to our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, follow us. You can uh, check out some of the rebroadcast shows. On our social media, uh, on Facebook, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at you underscore and the law, and you can follow us on Twitter at you and the law on Twitter. Keith, Tom had made a comment about the Rittenhouse uh, situation. I want to address, but Tom said that you know he had a reason to be in that community because he had some some ties to the community. I believe his father lived in the community, but he didn't. Um, and the fact that somebody else gave him the weapon. So let me, just because you got ties to a community does not, to me, justify you going into that community to do anything, especially when you've got a situation where there are riots going on, there's protesting going on, you're only 17 years old, you are in high school, don't know anything about dealing with everything that happens in a man's world, but you're going to put yourself in a man's situation. So for for me, 
to say that he had a connection to the community, to me that has nothing to do with it. That's just like me saying, hey, I'm from somewhere and there's this situation going on, so I'm going to go back uh, because that's my community, that's where I'm from. I just don't see how that has any any bearing on that young man going to Kenosha, even though his father lived there. That, that to me, has no relevance to why he was there. Well, I'll tell you, Virgil, I, 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 you know, that, and that's going to be debated. People are going to say people have a right to go wherever they want to. People have a right, you know, it's a, it's an open, you know, it's a long rifle. He was of age to have that rifle. Uh, that was one of the charges that were, that was dismissed. And I get that, but I still get to the fact of, you know, it's tense there. You know, it's tense. Are you telling me that somebody couldn't talk this young man out of going out there with a weapon? Because when you, when you have that weapon and something like that, something breaks out, now you've got that. There is a possibility, and in some situations, probability that you could use that weapon. I'm, I'm not telling you that, that people don't have a right to, and I want to make this very clear. Proponent of Second Amendment, okay, when it's, when it's done right, when we follow our rules, people have a right to carry. The states have said people have a right to carry long guns. He was of age. I get it. I still say <laughs> Did it make sense for him to be out there with that weapon? And I think the thing that a lot of people no. can't get over are the lies that he told that he was there as an EMT. He wasn't. Um, no. You know, and, and it doesn't matter. You know, I'm hearing people say, well, you know, these guys, the people he shot with white, what difference does it make what color someone is? You got two people who are dead. You got a person that was injured. I get it. The, you know, I don't know what, and Tom made it very clear, uh, brought up a good point. I don't know what those individuals' uh, reasons for being there. But I will tell you well, this. Uh, I, I, will, I will tell you this. It, it, it's, it's a 17-year-old, you know, and, 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 I, and this is what I find interesting. You want to say that a person, you know, a lot of states say that a person is not an adult, okay, until they reach the age of 18. However, but you can carry a gun, you can carry a long rifle at the age of 17, but you're not an adult until you're 18, and you can yeah. be arrested and charged as an adult at 17 or a certain number of years below that. But he's, he's a but, kid. But he couldn't even, he couldn't even go and – yeah, he couldn't even go purchase that assault weapon, Keith. He legally well, could well, okay. not purchase that assault weapon. And, 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 okay, well, and that's and that's that's good to know. So my my thing is, why if you can't purchase it, why are you walking the streets with it? And there's exactly. gonna be people that are gonna be upset. And I'll say this again: don't make this a right or left thing. Don't make it liberal, conservative. Don't make it anything about that. Because when 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 you have individuals who are dead, it doesn't matter if they're Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter, liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter. The fact of it is, you have two individuals dead. You have one individual that was shot, he, you know, and then you've got all this collateral damage, you know. You've got all this collateral damage. And, and, I think, um, and I think what's really concerning to a lot of people in the nation, he is being held as a hero. He's being held as a hero. 
He's being offered jobs. Um, and it, I'm, I'm going to tell you, let me, let me give I'm, I'm really surprised you, about the jobs, Keith. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, man, I, 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 I don't know. But I will tell you that if, if I will tell you a true self-defense situation. In, in 1990 at Irving Mall, there was, a, there was a incident that occurred where a gentleman was chasing his girlfriend through the parking lot of the Irving Mall mm-hmm. in Irving, Texas. Mm-hmm. At, some point, he, at some point, he discharged his weapon several times and shot this young lady in the head. There was a guy there by the name of Todd Broom who had actually just gone there, mind his own business, had gone to purchase some shoes. He sees what happens. Uh, he uh, returns fire and, fire and shoots this individual. Um, he was never charged. He was, he was no bill by the grand jury. To me, I could see that being a case of self-defense. I could see that. He wasn't. He didn't go there. He didn't have his gun on him. He had his gun actually in the car. He had to go back and get it. That was the thing where he felt that that was necessary. He believed he was saving that young lady's life. Little did he know that she was she was dead at the time. He felt that he was saving life and he was preventing somebody else from getting hurt. <clears throat> that's 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 not the easy to live with. That's not yeah. anything easy to live with. But 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 I think you can articulate that better. That somebody showing up to a already intensely charged environment with a weapon. Um, yeah. Whether he went there or not to kill it, whether he went there or not to, to utilize that weapon, that that possibility he, was there. Yeah. Well, and, and Keith, let me say this, and I think the the thing that gets me is the fact that when you present a weapon, you have. To some degree, yeah, you want to say you got this weapon for your protection. First of all, why are you going there with the weapon? Because, yeah, there may be other people there with weapons, but Keith, one of the things that took place that night that only occurred with Rittenhouse there wasn't any other person out of the thousands of people that were there that shot and killed two men and injured another. Rittenhouse was the only 17-year-old who shot and killed two people, seriously injured another one. There wasn't even a police officer who shot and killed anybody that night in Kenosha, Wisconsin, out of the hundreds the thousands of people who were there. So you have a 17-year-old who puts himself in a situation where now he feels that he has a weapon and he has to use that weapon to prevent somebody from uh, committing bodily harm to him. Well, so, I, was, I think I think I think my well, Virgil, you know, and I and I don't mean to dominate this this, this conversation. You know, a lot of times I'm kind of quiet on certain things, but what I will tell you is, I want to know did the, did it ever come out why those individuals um, went toward Rittenhouse? Why there was an altercation between him and those others? Did it ever come out? You know what? Did, I, I think did, it came I, out. I want to know the did fact, that yeah, ever came yeah. out. 
yeah, it did come out because basically Rosenblum, the first guy got shot, was kind of a yeah he had, he had a violent temper. He had basically threatened Rittenhouse, and somebody Rittenhouse was already wet. So this was already there. Okay. I mean, he had already threatened, and then he and the, and the, and so he's already threatened, and certainly others. And they picked, and I hit my suspicion was they picked on this guy because they thought he was a teenager to begin with, because they didn't right. go after anybody else. But and to me, I go back to the point: it's you know, you, know, you make the point it's irrelevant if he has a community. But my question would be is, unless you can show that he started, which the prosecution only couldn't show it, their own witnesses basically said they were the ones who attacked him. Now, whether or not he should have been right. there with the gun, a better question would be, you know, they were the ones who initiated the attack. They're the ones who came, and one of them pulled a gun on Wittenhouse. At that point, it's, you know, a better question would be, why did they choose to go after somebody who was armed? In my view, if, and in the case of Rosenblum, the first guy, he tried, he, you know, he was a guy that was somewhat crazy to begin with. Without, and he had only so, threatened. Yeah. So, so Tom, that comes down. Yeah. Well, Tom, that comes down to why would you start something with someone with a gun? I mean, I think I well, think you got I think you got both sides. You know, no, you got no, no. both sides there. No, no, no. Well, and, and let me. There are a lot of stupid people. There are a lot of stupid people out yeah. there. And I would say you, Rosenblum, thought he could outpower the guy and get the gun from him. But he had already threatened. Yeah, that's you know, and the bottom line is this. You make that attack. If you attack me, and and if you attack me with yeah. a skateboard, which also happened, those are weapons. And I, so if somebody with a martial arts, I can tell you, I can hurt somebody with my hands devastatingly bad. And when you pull a gun, which the star witness, yeah, yeah, and, it, and the star witness basically admitted, I pulled the gun first. So, I mean, it, I mean but I, and, and certainly, but, but that's I still say, but, yeah, it's irrelevant but I, to me, it's irrelevant whether you've been there or not. They attack. Right. He defends. Right, right. And, and, that's, you know and what, that's what the you know what, And you know what, Tom? I can't argue with you about that. I cannot yeah. argue with you about that at all. Because if they start, but it still comes down to the fact of, yeah. People are going to argue that he yeah. had a right to be there with a gun. And even if you did, but he was 17 years old, yeah. and, and you know it's charged, why would you go out there? And then why would you even approach him knowing he's got a gun? <laughs> you, yeah. you, you know, I don't, I don't well, understand. You know, I can, say, I can tell you, I've, I've met a lot of stupid people in my life, and my view would be in the case of Rosenblum, he thought he could overpower the kid. He saw a kid, he thought he could overpower him. He was wrong. And, and it's yeah. a different story in the case of the Alberry. And, and if you go back to the Alberry case, my view of the Alberry case was Alberry feared for his life. And that's why he did. Yeah, but there was no, the difference here is Rosenblum threatened and threatened others. Right. Threatened Whereas Alberry, yeah. to my knowledge, never threatened anybody. Am I correct on that? Yeah, you're correct. Think, you're correct. Think, so, so, yeah. So there's five elements so there's a, of of self. So Tom, there's five elements of self-defense. One of the last elements of self-defense is that a person has the duty to retreat before using deadly force. So if if you if you got any kind of common sense, 
and, yeah. and you it, you have a duty to retreat before using deadly force. So what Kyle Rittenhouse should have done was basically possible. said, "Listen, if, let me go. Burgeon, let me go possible. ahead and, and leave." It's yeah, well, possible. It, it's possible, but but at the same time, Key, again, here's a 17-year-old kid who doesn't fully understand the law. He wants to be somebody that he's not. And the simple fact that he put himself in that situation, why didn't he just say, hey, this this is a little bit too much for me. Let me go ahead and leave. No, he wanted to go there with the with whatever motive that he had. And at the same time, I believe his attitude has gotten that, hey, the police, hey, I, they didn't do anything to me. They actually gave me a bottle of water, and he felt like they patted him on his back. But, again, Keith, I think when we look at these two cases in in Wisconsin and what's going on in Georgia, you've got – it's so racially divided because – in Wisconsin, this was a white kid who killed two black—I mean, killed two white men and shot another white man. In Georgia, you got a father and a son who are accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. You've got another person who was a witness who recorded it, who is almost like a goober. Why was he there? And, and let me say this, Keith: what really got me with this. Uh, attorney representing the guy who filmed this here, he said, hey, you know what? My client is only has only a high school education, and he's an auto mechanic. And Georgia is not one of the best states for educating people. So you got your own attorney basically saying that you're that that you are somewhat you're not smart because you got a high school diploma from the state of Georgia. Well, that's a, that, that would, and if I was, if I was from Georgia, that would be a slap in the face that you're basically saying, because you don't have a, a high level of education. That means that you don't understand what the law says. And Virgil and Tom, another part of this with that case, don't forget about the prosecution, the, the state attorney that tried to uh, finagle, a way out of not prosecuting these guys. So if, if you remember that, that was a big discussion, and I think she's got some legal problems coming up in the future too. Yeah, exactly. If you remember. Yeah, yeah she does. So yeah. So the, the whole case hey, got, has just got some questions, you know, got some it, – it's just – it's hard to yeah. fathom. Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, you know, man, we're coming up on the last few seconds of the show, brother. It's been a, a great show. Uh, I want to wish you and your family and all of our listeners a happy Thanksgiving and uh, be safe. Well, same to you, man. And, and you take, you know, you and your family, Tom, you and your family to the listeners. Um, happy holidays. All right. Well, hey, you've been listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.